Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send an email, it's exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. To find out about the broadcast schedule we have for you, 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, which is channel 21, simultv.com. And later on this month, we're going to be on, uh, let me see, uh, Craig, where's the list? Pop it up for me. Thanks, Craig. Comcast, iLaunch, and uh, we're going to be right across the United States and into 50 other countries around the world. We're also going to be on Jungle TV and uh, distributed by Globecast. Times are growing here in the Exxon, and I've got you to thank. And uh, for doing the show for 30 years, I've had the opportunity of meeting some very interesting people, to put it mildly. But I've also had the opportunity of meeting people who really want to to do things the right way, who want to make a difference, who want to share the information in a credible way. And such as my guest this hour, David Campioni. I had the pleasure of having Dave on the show the first time 26 years ago. And uh, a little bit about David. David's father, Michael J. Campioni, started his UFO flying saucer research in 1948. David's life uh, growing up exposed him to numerous UFO flying saucer information and experiences with extraterrestrial spacecraft. Most of this was done from 1950 to the 1990s. David was a member of DelVel, that's the Delaware Valley UFO nonprofit organization, Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. His interest in extraterrestrial visitors continues to this present day. David has produced and narrated a UFO flying saucer documentary on VHS. David produced Michael's spacecraft photographs and information excuse me, he had accumulated from various people around the United States, including Mr. Paul Vila's photographs of a flying saucer during the daytime up close and personal. All this information was made into a 59-minute documentary, The World's Greatest UFO Flying Saucer Video and was presented at the UFO convention in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, David has published and is available... Uh, now, hold on here. This doesn't make sense to me. Let me try this again. David has published a uh, book that is entitled UFO Spacecraft Identification, which is available on Amazon.com. 
Joining me now is David Campioni. And uh, after the show, explanation, if you'd like more information about David, visit his website at spaciousky.com. And David, welcome back to the Exxon. It's always a great pleasure having you on the show, my friend. Thank you, Rob, for that wonderful introduction. I, I appreciate it. It's been a while, and I'm glad to be back. David, you and I go back 26 years, and um, there are many times people will ask me when I go out doing speeches or lectures or doing other shows, they'll say, Rob, what, have, what changes have you seen in the world of ufology since you've been doing your show? And I have to answer them honestly, nothing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dave, Dave, what happened? Why was there this, in your opinion, this massive download of information, this massive n number of sightings, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, first kind, second kind, third kind. And today, with all this modern technology we have, there seems to be next to nothing going on. What happened, in your opinion? Yeah, I, uh, I, I honestly don't know what, what happened. It seemed like during the, uh, what, the 70s and 80s, we were seeing everything. Uh, every, the movies were being put yeah. out, and um, I think that's when, uh, what was it, Close Encounters of the Third Kind or, yeah. and, uh, and Contact, and they were out there, and they were, they were produced. I thought they were produced very well for Hollywood to, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, put the information out there. But it just seems like it... it, it Everything shifted towards uh, politics, and um, even though there are websites, a lot of websites, mm -hmm. um, uh, I won't mention. I, I guess I can. Uh, sure. Recently, I, I would say I'm saying recently. I would say within the last two and a half years, um, Yahoo has has had more UFO articles uh, than any other any other website that I visit. Mm -hmm. You know, in the mainstream websites, and um, of course, of course, all the people who are extraordinarily uh, uh, experienced with Photoshop and videos, um, you, you get to see you get to see things that, that you, you question. Is this real? I, I don't know if you saw the one some years ago, um, uh, how somebody had, you know, Millennium, Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. Yes, yes. I know. The, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, that was flying over these yeah. palm trees, and they're going. I said, I can't believe this. You know, people are really good out there with faking stuff, and I think that's what I think that's basically what's happened uh, over the years. The more the more we got into the uh, the social media and electronics, uh, the computers, and and what people can do, and you know, you don't know what's real anymore. Um, the most recent. That I, I think it was last fall where the uh, the Na United States Navy released these. I don't know. It was some some space. I mean, uh, fighter jet was right. out, and they had. They said, mm -hmm. "Oh yeah, this is actual UFO." Well, everybody, it looked like a tic tac. Yeah. <laughs> it was in black and white, and this guy's going along, and uh, and it did nothing. And I thought, wow, that's that's a downer there. I'm expecting something phenomenal to see, and. You know, but at least they brought something out. That's the only thing that I can say. But it was how many years? I think that was done in 04 or 06. So it was like 14, uh, 14 or uh, 12 years later that they brought this thing out. Well, you know what? I, yes. I, I found it very, very uh, coincidental that they brought this Tic Tac uh, UFO <laughs> footage from the, from the uh, you know, the aircraft's gun, uh, gun camera. Right. 
when all this talk about the Russians having developed a hyperspace weapon that the United States could not defend itself against. Now, mm. I, I looked at that and I figured, well, wait a minute. Maybe this is the United States letting Russia know that they, too, have a hypersonic weapon. Mm. You know, yeah. the, the, the Cold War... As, as you and I well know, remembering the, mm. you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the, the space race and everything else that has been going on since, you know, since I can remember, since the end of World War II. And I really don't think that President Trump and, um, and uh, Vladimir Putin have, you know, come to the point where the Cold War really isn't still going on. I think it's gone up a few notches based on today's technology. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they ramped it up now. Yeah. Now, just to to add a little addendum to that, back in uh, let's see, I think I I think I was we were my wife and I were introduced to the information it was a, a a a couple out of um, Tehachapi, California, and they were they used to the let's see, it was EJ and his wife um, Doris, which they called Dharma. She would channel uh, a commander Hatan from one of these. He says his spaceship up there was, I don't know, it could be Venus. I mean, this, the huge, the size of this thing. I mean, he said, well, what do you think a star is, a starship looks like? But anyway, he, uh, he, she would channel and some of the information that, that she put out over the years that, and what she received from commander Hatan, if you can, you know, it, it's a lot of discernment there. Sure. Um, he said that the Russians back then already had satellites up there that were controlling our weather. And also they had the technology of, of firing. Now, they didn't say laser. They didn't say mm -hmm. lasers, but they had the missiles. And we were just like, uh, you know, the United States was like a pawn to these people. So whether that's changed or not, I have no idea. I mean, I'm so far out of the loop with the U.S. military. Yeah. I, I, I can't. I don't know if I should believe half the stuff I hear from them, what they do. But but this is back 30. Well, let's say in 1989 mm -hmm. and through the 90s when this uh, when this group was in existence. And um, but, you know, they were putting that out there and they said the, the Russians were in charge. Now, now, it's interesting that recently President Trump said we want to have a, what's it, a space, uh, space troops or space, space force, space force, space force. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows what, uh, what's going on now. And now, and, and, uh, and I think, uh, what didn't China just land on the other side of the moon? I think they put something up there or they're about to, and then we're supposed to go back to the moon again. It's like everybody's jockeying the big powers for, uh, for all this, uh, positioning of uh, superiority from yeah. up above, yeah. David, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our first commercial break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. And explanation, if you'd like to find out more about David or how you can get your very own copy of the world's greatest UFO flying saucers, as well as UFO spacecraft identification manual, visit www.spaciouscy.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, everyone. You know what I can't understand, Exxon Nation, is why people within the UFO community keep changing their story. For example, do you remember Travis Walton? Well, oh, he, yeah. you know, he, he's out there, and you know, he and some other uh, loggers see what they claim to be a UFO. Travis Walton goes uh, goes close to it to see what it was, and apparently, when the story first came out, Travis Walton was abducted. He mm-hmm. spent a couple of days in space, returned to Herber, Arizona, and the story goes on from there. It's, it's, it's you know, it was made into a movie, a TV yeah. program. It's called Fire in the Sky. Yep. Now, Dar- now uh, Travis Walton is saying, well, no, no, what happened was that the ray from the flying saucer hit me and killed me, and the aliens brought me aboard their spacecraft and revived me, brought me back to life. Okay. Then you've got Major Ed Dames, who was part of the remote viewing, uh, remote viewing, um, what do we call remote viewing? Remote viewing, that's it. Remote viewing, uh, who who apparently was, uh, who taught at the CIA. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying that he has remote viewed extraterrestrials, and this May he is going to meet them in a California desert. And mm-hmm. to prove that he's really met them, he's going to bring... Everybody proof. And what the aliens told them that they are going to do is they are going to disable a Russian sub, a a Russian nuclear sub, and an American nuclear sub. Uh, That is, in my opinion, very stupid, but we'll have to see if this really happens. And then you've got Daryl Sims, the alien hunter, who is now saying that not only was he abducted, but his son has been abducted as well. Mm. And, and these stories just keep on developing. It's, it's like they people have to reinvent themselves. Yeah. And, and you know, David, oh, I've I've known you for twenty six years. Yeah. You have stayed the same, and I applaud that. Well, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, truth is truth, Rob. That's the way I look at it. When you keep yeah. changing, you forget what your first story was. That's mm-hmm. what they always say. Yeah. Tell us about you, tell us about yeah. your tell us about your sighting. Yeah, okay, okay. the uh, first sighting I had, um, I was uh, leaving, the, it was, I was 12 years old in mm-hmm. 1956, just for everybody out there. You, you can, if you can do the math, you can know I'm 74, so that saves you some time. Um, we were leaving a, a, a Boy Scout meeting, uh, yeah. five other friends, and there was a total with me, it was six of us, and we were, it was in Philadelphia, in the, in the Holmesburg section of Philadelphia. And we were walking uh, on Frankfurt Avenue, walking home when you were allowed to walk home at night. And um, 
we uh, stopped, we crossed a bridge over to Pennypack Creek, going to Frankfurt Avenue Bridge, we all called it, and uh, and crossing over to Pennypack Creek. And we stopped, and yeah, we were kids, and we were kicking rocks in and throwing rocks down and, and into the water. And it was, and all of a sudden, we, all six of us just looked up and looked mm-hmm. down the river. Now, it's, it was just so hard to figure how, how far away this was. The only, the, the only thing we can think of was it was down over the Delaware River, and then it was it was some miles away from where we were, and it looked like the full moon was traversing, you know, on its side, just like you you would see the moon, and just going right down in front of us, and it opened, it came from the uh, from the north and was going south, and when it hit the opening, we caught the the glimpse of it coming coming. Uh, uh, through to the where we could see directly out into the over uh, towards the Delaware River where there were no where there were no trees you know with the river was sure. wide enough where the, you look straight down you're not going to see any trees uh, obstructing your view and then it was high enough and we had us and Rob it was like seconds I mean I'm not even saying seconds it was probably uh, it couldn't have been more than two seconds and it was a what we described it or I described it as a fluorescent uh, light white. There was no reflection. It was just light, uh, just white light. And it was a circular disc estimated mm-hmm. now from where are we a couple miles away at 300 feet in diameter. Well, we're kids. We don't, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell distance now. Even I have a hard time. And, um, but what I did notice on the side of the craft, as it went past, there were concentric let's see one two four concentric circles they were black lines and they they just you know they were they were spaced i i guess perfectly for right. their for their manufacturer whatever whatever the craft was mm-hmm. um and and it was gone you know and we all looked at it and we looked at each other and said what the heck yeah. <laughs> what did we just see here the full moon going down the delaware river you know who knows you know it could have been a hundred thousand well i don't know if it was a hundred thousand miles an hour but it could have been uh it could have been a thousand miles an hour because it was so quick but there were six of us that saw this, and that was my, my first sighting. Now, what's really interesting about that, back in, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping forward to the uh, uh, late 70s. I think it was late 70s, late 70s when um, we formed, my dad set up the, uh, and I was a part of it, of the DelVal UFO organization, <clears throat> the nonprofit group. And one of the men who, who used to come, he was a, he worked for a think tank in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which was all high tech at the time area, very, very uh, uh, big on, on professional businesses and large corporation uh, home offices and things. And uh, and I was telling him about about that when we were when I was 12 and with my friends and uh, and he looked at me and and he just said they were from Alpha Centauri. And I go, what? I said, well, who was? He said, that craft you saw. I said, I said, Dick, I said, how would you know that? He says, well, he says, my job is I go in, my job every day is I go and sit in a in a, in a bunker or a room within a building with no windows, no walls, no, no, uh, I mean, with walls and no clocks. And, uh, and I just sit there and then I think, and it's called, a th- I work for a think tank. 
and I get impressions. And uh, this is what you saw and where or where these people were from in this particular spacecraft. Mm. Well, I have no way of knowing. And that's the only thing that I could. I got to go along with this guy said he said it was Malpha Centauri. I have no way to know whether whether it really was or not. So how many spacecraft or UFOs have you seen in, in your uh, entire lifetime? Uh, 13 that I can actually say there wow. were spacecraft, and um, including that one I was just talking about. Were they different sizes, different shapes? Yeah, there were. Uh, well, this one was a circular one, the first one, and mm -hmm. the, um, uh, the, the smallest that I saw was, uh, you know, it's just really interesting, Bob, uh, Rob. When I was, I used to go up with my friends. Uh, in fact, one of the guys that, I saw this craft at 12 years old. We're, st we're still friends after all these years. From uh, from oh, I've, I've known him since I was five years old, and we're, we're still friends. And we he comes down and we photographs. I take him on junkets to photograph wildlife. But uh, uh, the area that we used to we used to fly fish in upstate New York, uh, in the Pennsylvania border on the Upper Delaware River. Mm -hmm. Prior to going up there, this one week, we always went up in the spring, and this one time we went up in the fall, and they were getting sightings for that whole week prior going up, going up in the Catskills area of, of, of New York State of, of flying saucers. Mm -hmm. There were three days of people just reporting spacecraft up in that area. So I'm, I'm getting to my point, which I'll make it quick. Um, when, when I was up there and we were, and then when I was fishing, I had, wherever I was camped, I got up there today ahead of time and set up camp and we, we tented. We're like, we're like five miles in the woods. I mean, from middle of nowhere. And, um, I, I was canoeing down. We would go up a river and then canoe, canoe down and I was by myself. And there were people on this Island that we always fit, fly fish off of in the springtime. And, and I decided there were too many people on the right side of the island. It was a little bit of a rapid, so I went to the left side, and there was a woman on the bank, and there was a man on the on the left bank, and there was a man uh, uh, on the right on the island facing the lady. And up on the hill were three men. I was in it was in the early 80s because I was I was involved with forensic photography, so I, I'm looking at these guys up in the up in the woods with a black SUV, and they got uh, blue blazers, white shirts, red ties, and guns. And I'm thinking, what the heck? So anyway, I'm talking to these people as I'm, as I'm canoeing through it. And here, the man I was talking to, because we were a brief, uh, brief conversation of life, it was Jimmy, President, former President Jimmy Carter, or, or, or former President of the United States, Jimmy Carter, I should say. <laughs> so, and he had seen, uh, he said he saw a UFO, what, in the 70s, I think it was. And uh, he was, uh, he was in, the, in, the, in the Navy. Yeah. And... But I, I just found it ironic here. Here, the president, uh, the former president of the United States, is, loves fly fishing, and his wife uh, loves it also. And they're in, heading to the Catskills. So for three days uh, during that preceding weekend, there was a UFO craft that that people were seeing all over. And then I run into Jimmy, President Jimmy Carter, former President Jimmy Carter, on his island. And I thought, what? Well, how? Well, it's so ironic. That something like this would happen. So I wrote him a letter, and I didn't talk about flying saucers. I just I just sent him a letter, and uh, 
up in Plains, uh, and uh, he he sent me a little reply a reply back on how much he enjoyed that area up there. And I, it's just it was just so strange that here here he had seen a flying saucer, and he said that before he ran for for the president of the United States. And then, like I'm saying, for those three three incidents or three different nights of sightings in uh, in New York in the Catskills area in New York State. And then here's a president shows up, and, right. I, and I had a brief conversation with him. Stand and I got by, David. David, I've got to take my news break. Please stand by. Exclamation. Okay. David Campione. Campione is our special guest. SpaciousSky.com is his website. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exome from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. David Campioni is our special guest this hour, Exonation, www.spacioussky.com. And if you'd like to get a copy of David's book, UFO Spacecraft Identification Manual, it is available on Amazon.com. David, I had to cut you off because of the uh, news break. We have to take all our all our, oh, all our breaks are hard, so we can't deviate. Tell Finish that story that you were telling us. Yeah, well, after after, uh, after still fishing the rest mm-hmm. of the weekend, that was on a Saturday, and, um, and you know, talking to all the different people up there. Anyway, because one, one group of people, uh, when I went down to where my tent was, and they, these people came out, and they were dragging my canoe in, and they said, boy, you're really, who who are you? And I said, what are you talking about? And he says, well, that's how I found out. I was a president, former president of the United States. These people thought I was important, right? But anyway, I'm driving home on Sunday. The next day, we spent, my friends and I, uh, that were that came up on Saturday, we, we right. We fished Saturday and part of Sunday, and I'm driving home through the farms and um, around the. It's a town called. It's not. I mean, it's the only town that I know of in that area. It's called Equinock, Pennsylvania. A little. I don't think they. I think they had a bar in it. Not. That's it. I didn't even think they had. It wasn't a town, but that's what they called it. And I'm driving through this through the farm area, and all of a sudden I look off to the left. I'm passing this. Uh, I just passed the cow. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, there was a milking farm, and. Um, and I see about 100 feet in the air. I see this gold globe. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been three or four feet in diameter. Solid. It, it just looked like a solid gold piece of. Uh, it was a sphere, and uh, no reflection coming off it. Nothing. And this thing just 
disappeared and then just was zipping on by like it like it popped into view and uh, uh, and then just kept on going and then popped out of view again so it was just uh, just interesting but the but the other sizes that I had seen I seen them uh, uh, when I was fly I'm not fly surf fishing in um, uh, ship bottom New Jersey on Long Beach Island uh, and I, I always always stuck a coat because you're out fishing and you're out there all day within the wind and the sea and you're standing on the beach and you know you're there for eight hours mm -hmm. and it gets cold and uh and i saw this black cloud coming this incredible storm and i'm thinking am i going to make it i was debating whether to leave the beach or not because <laughs> i said nah what the heck i'll still fish well, anyway, there was a, a young couple uh, near me about uh, a couple hundred feet away, and they stopped, and they were looking at this cloud, this storm coming. And then, it, Rob, it was just the most amazing thing. You could just, well, you've seen them where the, where the rain is just torrential. Oh, it's like yeah. a waterfall. And there's nothing 10 feet away. And that's what this thing did. This cloud came hmm. and stopped right at the beach line, the beginning of the beach. And I was down at the down near the water i was at the water and it was over this other couple and then for some reason i'm watching i and i felt well and then i saw the the storm like heading north up the uh, it was coming east and then it, it just stopped and then started heading north and i turned and i looked out over the ocean and out over the ocean near the horizon i would say looking at uh, i don't know uh, maybe 20 to 20 degrees up above the horizon there was this uh to me, it's the only thing I can say. It was a mother craft or of some kind, huge. I mean, it had it been out at the horizon, so you can almost see what, two, three miles out. And this thing looked like it was at least, uh, I don't know, a mile in length. And it looked like a 55-gallon drum that was all black. And I told, I asked somebody about that, what it was. And so, yeah, that's that's the guy who, he gave me the guy's name, the captain who operates. He said he controls the weather in uh, on the mid-Atlantic states. And I go, really? <laughs> it was, it was mind-boggling to me. But, and I saw that same craft um, seven years prior to that incident, fly fish, I mean, fishing, surf fishing. Uh, and outside of a uh, media or Lima, Pennsylvania, actually, in, in the horizon uh, as the sun uh, in the early evening, like about five o'clock in, in the summertime, same craft. And I said, this is so weird. And then the uh, the time my wife and I, she was driving, we were heading back to the uh, uh, to Las Vegas. We were we were driving around and this was in 80. 88 88 yeah 1988 and we were she was driving and she was flying along because the speed <clears throat> speed limits were different at the time and those years and i look out to the left and uh and i said oh my god there's something going to crash over there and it was like a black airplane with the tail but no wings and no windows and and nothing and it was just like sitting there and i thought this thing's going to crash or it did crash or something was going to happen and I, my wife slammed the brakes on, and uh, she said, what are you looking at? And I said, I'm telling you, there was a big big something out. And this thing, we timed it, Rob. We went out, we took the power power line road out to a little uh, power station and drove out with a rental car, uh, and it was four and a half miles from the highway back to where I saw this. And, and where wow. I saw it, it looked like it was a mile long. And then we, we were hiking around uh, above the... Uh, uh, the, like there were dunes out there and we were climbing on them and uh, climbing up. And I said, where the heck did this thing go? It was so huge. And 
up on the left when we stopped and I looked way across. Now I'm looking back past the highway, probably miles away on the other side of the highway and up high. I could see look like a traffic light, red, green, yellow and green. But and and from where I was, it looked like the the uh, the globes were the size of a basketball. Hmm. And then I turned and I and, and my wife saw it also. And, I, and we turned and we looked the other way and we could see way off in the distance, miles in the distance where the where the cliffs were, these rock cliffs. It looks like somebody had taken a laser and, and cut a huge rectangle out. Now, I don't know how how big it was or what because of the distance uh, that uh, that we were we were uh, at. And, uh, and then we decided, well, then if we don't see anything. So we just left because we, we had to go catch an airplane to head back to Florida. So uh, but that was that was a big that was another big craft. Yeah, that was that was exciting to see something like that. Well, and of course, I didn't have a camera in my hand. <laughs> answer, answer me this, David. Why is it that certain people like yourself have the opportunity or the good fortune of 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 seeing these craft when there are so many other people who see nothing? Uh, maybe it's just our, our philosophy and mm. our, our vibrations at times. Uh, as, as uh, you know, when you're younger, you're, you're, your mind isn't as cluttered up with things. I, I, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. It, could it also have something to do with the person's own belief structure that they believe so they see? No, not not well. I never believed yeah. in him. I mean, okay. I would just. I mean, I believed in him, but like the first one. I mean, yeah. how would you how would you believe in something when you if you never saw one before and uh, or even and, and plus you're there with five other people. That's yeah. <laughs> and we all saw the exact same thing, and that's a per, pretty remarkable uh, uh, sighting for something like that to to see, and uh, because it was the most beautiful. Uh, I think it was the most beautiful spacecraft that I've ever seen. E even the Paul Villa's uh, photographs. I mean, that's a beautiful craft that he photographed in uh, outside of Albuquerque. But this craft uh, that the man said was from Alpha Centauri, that was just amazing. I would, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd want to take a ride. Sure. In it, <laughs> Tell our listeners uh, about Paul Villa. Yeah, Mr. Paul Villa was, um, uh, I believe, he, I, I will say that he, he, he immigrated here to the United States, uh, I believe, legally. Um, and um, he, uh, he was an auto mechanic, and he, he resided outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm -hmm. and he had a little shop there. And he started hearing somebody, he started heard a voice, uh, he was working on a car, and somebody said, well, get your camera and come down to and meet us outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. They told him uh, what the voice in his head. And he goes, so he get, I guess he was underneath the car and he gets out from underneath the car and he's looking around and saying, who's playing a prank on me here? So and he said, well, I, so he didn't think anything. Out, but this continued like uh, for about a week. And he, he, well, then he decided, well, maybe I should do this. And he, he had a Rico 35 millimeter camera. Uh, shooting uh, 35 millimeter uh, color, uh, uh, I guess it was a coda, coda color. Yeah, that was negative film. And he went out to an area um, where they told him they would be, where the spacecraft would be. And he said, well, you know, Rob, can you imagine receiving information like that? I mean, today would be different, but here, here you are, here the guy's a, uh, uh, 
he's a God-fearing man. He was a Catholic, and he's hearing these voices. But in his head, anyway, he goes out there, and and he's still hearing a voice. And they said, "Okay, we're, we'll get out of your car and right. uh, get your yeah. camera out." And this spacecraft, this flying saucer, a real flying saucer with the dome on it, and hmm. uh, it's on my website. You can see all the uh, all the Paul Villa photographs in color, daytime and up close. And um, he just started taking pictures of it, and they told him they were going to. He did. They did a few maneuvers with it, and uh, and then it. And then when it came within a quarter of a mile of Paul, and then it's. He said it stopped, and they took a nice picture of that, and then it settled down on the ground or hovered above the ground, and a little uh, side side door or something opened, and out came a gangplank, and uh, out walked nine people, nine beings, human beings between seven and nine feet tall. Oh, all now, right, Mr. what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we've got to take our final break, so please stand by, David. Okay. As soon as we come back, let's hear more about these people who came out of the spacecraft. Yeah. Exo Nation, our guest this hour is David Campioni. His website is spaciousky.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, you can get the current edition of the X Chronicles newspaper with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, everyone. David Campioni is my special guest. His website is spacioussky.com. All right, David, you've got to take us back to where we were before the break okay. when the gangplank came down and these beings came beings. out. Um, uh, five men and four women, uh -huh. all, be all between seven and nine feet tall. And they didn't float down. They actually walked out just like you or I would walk uh, walking uh, anywhere. And uh, they walked out and Paul, they told Paul he could take photographs of them. And uh, and he did. He, well, he said he did. I mm -hmm. never saw the night. We never saw anything. Uh, uh, he wasn't he was told by them that he wasn't allowed to release them until un, until they told him to. And of course, he passed before he. I guess he before they. Uh, maybe they never came back. I don't know. So what but, we can what we can say to that is that the extraterrestrials certainly had no psychic abilities. Oh, they, you mean for long distance? Well, well, no. What I was what I was getting at that was a bad. All right, that was a bad joke because they said that he couldn't <laughs> release them until he told them to, but they didn't know he was going to die. 
Yeah, well, yeah, well, maybe they thought they were going to do something before he passed on. So could be. All we, right. But I don't know him and my uh, my father and him corresponded and did everything uh, copyrighted and everything mm -hmm. the photos and uh, for you know they they corresponded for eight years. But the but Paul, but the interesting too uh, to me, which are fascinating, or the few interesting things about Paul meeting these these beings, he said that each one of them was emitting a Christ light. Now, to me, that's their body is surrounded in light, like we've seen in renaissance pictures sure, of an aura Jesus. an aura yeah. yeah and this is how paul described it as the as the christ light that they were all each one of them were surrounded and he said they were beautifully beautifully proportioned they weren't you know they're just like tall beings like a basketball player you know but bigger and so up to nine feet and um uh the other thing is is they were of course there, there's no verbal it's all mental communication paul was doing verbal and receiving the uh, information hearing it in his head and um he uh, he went and oh god where was i going with anyway he he said that they told him to contact michael campione in new jersey and Paul's going, what are you talking, who is this man? He says, well, you find, you look him up. He, he's in New Jersey and he'll help you with getting the, these photographs out and the information out that, that you have that we allowed you to photograph. And uh, he said, we're from Como Berenices, which is in the M60 in the spiral galaxy of Como Berenices or Bernices. I, and... Um, uh, he didn't say. In fact, Rob, one of the, somebody I was corresponding with, or 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 uh, communicating with, mm -hmm. uh, typing on Facebook one time off of your program, off of your uh, site, right. and they asked me, well, what planet were they were from? I said, well, I don't know. I don't even know where our planet is in the Milky Way, let alone somebody that's 400 over 400 million light years away. But he, uh, but it was just so strange that they said to contact my father. Because he's the only one you can trust in this uh, down here on uh, getting the information out and, uh, and and that can be honest with you. And the other thing that they said, which I found was beyond interesting, they were talking, and I never saw the correspondence. They were communicating with to Paul about how they knew about the Master Jesus, the Christ, when he when he did his uh, reign here, mm -hmm. and you know, two thousand years ago. And and he was just like, I mean, can you imagine these people? Are, and they come down to this huge space, 160 foot in diameter spacecraft, and uh, and from well over 400 million light years away, and they're talking about uh, my father of uh, who to contact, mm -hmm. and they're talking about uh, Jesus the Christ. <laughs> but but you know what? What I'm I'm listening to this story about Paul Vila, and it sounds very much like the Billy Meyer story. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but he he was always in touch with the with the people. Paul only had this one one encounter with them. Mm -hmm. So but, Paul's encounter was like um, the earlier contactees. Uh, I I can see his uh, George Adamski. Oh well, yeah, George was in the, what the late uh, in the early fifties. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he said he went to Venus and on the mothership. Right. And, uh, the thing, the thing that always got me was uh, reading. I don't, I don't know why it always stuck out when uh, out uh, came out of the book, and I remembered it um, when George Adamski was when he was taken from a scout craft uh, and on up to the mothership, and they were going to Venus. Well, he smoked cigarettes, 
and he was looking for an ashtray aboard the, aboard the mothership. And he said, why do you guys do this stuff down there with the cigarettes? Mm-hmm. It was just, it just struck me as odd or funny, you know, that these people were, you know, he's looking for an ashtray and okay. they're taking him to Venus. That, that brings up an interesting point. <laughs> do you think that these visitors from wherever they are, do they pose a threat to the planet? Do they th- pose a threat to humans? I don't believe so. <clears throat> In fact, I, I actually believe that uh, that there are, <clears throat> I mean, I've heard uptolds of, uh, of a million s- spacecraft and these people are volunteers up there and they're, they're volunteering their service from their planets. And they're just they're just up there protect trying to protect us from the you know not everybody's good up there that's flying around just like here on this planet you got you got evil up there yeah. and they have to they still have to deal with it and they're they're trying to protect us and uh, you know somebody sometimes they slip through just like everything else and they gotta and they they gotta take them out and that's what they do they they just laser them and they're gone you know but why they, they, this they, planet why why do they why do they want to pay so much attention to this planet, and yet they don't want to be known? Uh, it could be because they don't want a nuclear, because of the growth of uh, of of our uh, of humanity here. If the, if they mm-hmm. if all of a sudden everybody went crazy and started popping nukes over, we just have India and Pakistan are going nuts over there bombing. And they all got nukes, and then we have China, and we have the Russians, and and uh, God. Untold. Well, listen. Well, listen. If they're if they're if they're that much more highly advanced than we are, mm-hmm. and in order for them to get from wherever they are allegedly from in the first place, wouldn't they have the ability to disable any nuclear weapons that were fired by? the United States, Canada, Great Britain, whoever fires the nuclear yeah. weapon, couldn't they just disable them and they fall yeah, into well, the Yeah, I, I believe they've already done things like that. I mean, I've read stories now how true they are where even, uh, what was it, North Dakota? Where oh, the, yeah, uh, Robert Salas, yeah. Yeah, the, the, all those silos uh-huh. that are up there and that the, the, they were were on, they, dis, they were disabled a well, lot Well, you see, of there, there's another story. You've got yeah. Robert Salas, who's, who's spewing this story to anybody who would listen, it's because it gets him to go to different conventions and different mm-hmm. lectures and seminars. Yeah. You know, and it's made him a minor, a very minor celebrity who's mm-hmm. telling the story. And yet the guy who was in the seat right beside him <laughs> in the silo is saying, what the hell is he talking about? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, geez, that's crazy. Well, well, I believe they do have the capabilities to do that. Now, uh, whether <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't know the man's name, but I, I'm just going on the information. See, you just, you just uh, gave me information that uh, that I can question now. Sure, there you go. Yeah, and I appreciate that because you know you don't you don't always find out the the truth and uh, what's going on and 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 it's quite possible that they can do that. I uh, Robin uh, and I think that's part of what they're here because there was that one planet that's out on the other side of Uranus mm-hmm. that um, that uh, I called or my dad always called it Maldek that they went and blew themselves up and they're worried about this planet if because. We're at that stage now, or have been with the stage, that if we blow this planet, yeah. it somehow throws a solar system out, and it just, it just, it's endless what could happen and, uh, to the Milky Way. 
and or this part of it. And this is what they're concerned about. And that's why allegedly that's why they're here. I've never spoke to them. I've never been up there to look down or to see their plans. I, I just don't. I'm just I'm just going on what I've, I've been told or what I've read over the years. And uh, that's what I see. All right, David, tell me this. My my time with you is coming up very fast, my friend. Yes, um, sir. Do you think that we are close to disclosure? And the, no. the end of the truth embargo. No, 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 I don't. No, I've been hearing this. I've been hearing for fifty years. Yeah, Rob, me so too. You. <laughs> In fact, I had Stephen Bassett on the show the other day, and once oh, again, is that right? You know, okay. St- Stephen is like you, a long, a long time good friend of yeah. the Exxon. Yeah. and you know, he's got it. I give it. I I've got to give kudos to Stephen because he just, you know, he's right in there saying, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I feel like saying, Stephen, yeah, I've been hearing that for 50 years. It's right. <laughs> yeah. I hope it does happen, yeah. Rob. That's all I can say, that they're, they're, they're going to come out with the truth. But, you know, we all, everybody's to say, well, they're feeding us little bits of information because yeah. they don't want to panic the populace. But so what? What what else can you panic them with? I mean, That's right. On, hey, <laughs> hey look. Listen, I hate to do this, my friend, but you yep. and I have to say so long for tonight. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, David. Always great talking to you. And ExoNation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, David Campione, visit his website, www.spaciousky.com. David, until the next time we meet, take care of yourself, my friend, and always great pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Rob, and God bless you and your whole family and every all the listeners in the Christ light. God bless you too, my friend. Thank you. Thank Ex- you. Exonation, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Check out the Exxon directory of Who's Who 2019 edition. It's available online at www.xzdww.net. Xzdww.net. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Or combo meal, single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.